0: Your radio sisters I'm Rachel I'm Bo And I'm Allie Kat Well we're singers, songwriters, and sisters And if you're curious about the creative process like we are Stick around right here Each week you'll hear inspiring stories and interviews From the world's biggest stars and most creative minds You'll take away artistic gems to fuel your own creative process And get that project started already Or get the mojo to keep on going That's right It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show Hey guys, it's Rachel along with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. We're so glad you're here along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And right now, we want you to reach around and pat yourself on the back and celebrate even the small wins when it comes to reaching your goal. Mm-hmm. Every step counts, and even if you've taken two steps back but one step forward, celebrate that one step forward. Oh, yeah. And today you're going to hear from some guests who are sharing their journey. You can follow right along in their footsteps. They're moving in the direction of their dreams. Let's get to it, sisters. The Mulberry Lane shows on, celebrity stories, songs. You're going to have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Well, first up today, he's a brilliant guitarist, Grammy Award winner, and in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Platinum selling Don Felder is here with you again today for part two of his chat. Now, you probably know Don best for being a member of the Eagles. And today he's gonna tell you the story of how he brought the first iteration of the song Hotel California to the band. This is a gem of a story and he takes you behind the scenes to the writing and recording of the song in the studio. You're also gonna hear a little bit more about his brand new solo album American Rock and Roll. Okay, sisters, who's next? Well then, guys, hang out with celebrity chef Lawrence Page. Catch up with the latest season of the show, Hustle and Soul, on Wii TV. Now, Chef Lawrence is the owner of the iconic Pink Teacup in Brooklyn, New York, and today, he's gonna give you a great recipe. Also, how to follow your dreams when things get tough. Chef Lawrence serves up some real wisdom for you today. All right, Allie, who's next? Part two of our chat with Matt Geiler. Now, Matt is an improv artist, comedian, and musician. His band is called Frederick Julius, and their new album is Fixers and Elixirs. And this guy is all about all things creative. Matt goes really deep with you today with some insight on the creative process. And when you hear this, we have a feeling you're gonna be nodding your head in agreement. Now this guy from Nebraska shares all about how he became internet famous as the dancing pumpkin man and ended up on America's Got Talent many facets to the career of Matt Geiler. All right, sisters, who's next? Well, then you guys, we're taking you to the moon. You're gonna hang out with veteran space journalist, Leonard David. He's gonna tell you all about his new book, Moon Rush, The New Space Race. Now this book is put out by National Geographic, and not only are you gonna learn some new things about the moon today, but he's also gonna tell you how to shoot for the stars, and he should know. (laughs) Well, we've got a full show for you today, but before we take off, we'd like to invite you to join us on social media for all the sister craziness. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter or Instagram. And did you know your radio sisters have a weekly newsletter? To subscribe, take out your phone right now and text the word Mulberry to 22828. Then you'll receive a text you can put in your email address and you're all hooked up. Again, text the word Mulberry to the number 22828 to get our free newsletter every week and get in on all the Mulberry Sister fun. We'll keep hanging out here in the Sister Lane for the next hour. When we come back, you'll dive back in with Don Felder, formerly of the Eagles, now on a solo journey. Part two coming up right after this. Meet you right here on the Mulberry Lane Show, right around the corner. This is Beau, here with my sisters Rachel and Allie. This segment is brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology, Advanced Comprehensive Medical, Surgical, and Cosmetic Dermatologic Care. Braddockfinnegan.com. Your weekend getaway. Glad you're hanging out here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Beau, here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie. Well, if you tuned in last weekend, you heard the first part of our interview with singer-songwriter, guitarist Don Felder, formerly of the Eagles. You heard all about his brand new solo album, American Rock and Roll. Let's jump back in right now with Don Felder. Was there ever a point in your career where you did get caught up in, you know, wanting to make things go up higher on the charts or wanting to sustain the level of fame or any of that?
1: Not myself personally. I think after the Hotel California record came out and just went into another just complete stratosphere of success, to have to sit down and write 8, 10, 12, 15 more songs for what was going to be the follow-up to that Uh was a really difficult task for everybody in the band. Nothing was good enough. No, the lyrics weren't good enough, the track wasn't good enough, there were arguments and this and that, we had been touring like crazy, Mm -hmm. back of the studio under all that pressure. The Glenn used to call it the hardening of the artistry. Ah. A, dread, a dreaded <laughs> disease, right? Right, <laughs> like
0: a true songwriter. <laughs>
1: That's right, and, and every record you put out, we tried to make it better and better and better and better songs and better recording and better performances and blah-da-da, blah, blah, better vocals, everything we tried to make better every time we went through the process. And so the pressure after Hotel California was just intense. And so if I learned anything from that is that, you know, what gets you... To where you wind up doing something like Hotel California isn't the pressure. It's the thrill and the excitement and the creative process that's unobscured and unobstructed by all of that pressure. And when you throw that pressure on yourself, you get inhibited and fearful and is this good enough? And all that negative stuff. And that blocks you from letting stuff just come out. So So
0: how do you keep that from happening? I don't care. You
1: learn to not care. I hear ideas and think of songs on and music stuff. And I go in and do what I like, what I think is great. And if people don't like it, but I don't care. I like it. so. A
0: lot of it is a mental game. Oh, yeah. You can know that's how you're supposed to feel, but it's another thing to actually get, get there. there. How did you get there?
1: I learned to get out of my own way. I let all of that worry, doubt, analytical stuff just okay, you guys all wait over here for a while. I'm going to go have fun. And I'm going to just open it up and let it come out. And if it's great, fantastic. If it's not, digital heaven.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you mentioned you've been touring a lot. You've always toured a lot. So what's it like touring now versus back in the day?
1: Well, you know, when I first joined the Eagles, we were doing rent-a-car tours, and if we were really lucky, we got to fly Coach Commercial Airlines on the long runs. <laughs> yeah. you know? And then all of a sudden, you know, the greater success, you wind up with Learjets and limos, and then you get your own big, giant charter plane and wow. all this stuff, and, and, and staying at the Four Seasons. And so it, it changes dramatically. I had never done a bus tour until i started working solo on my own and i was always i don't want to be stuck on a bus oh my god and actually tommy shaw was the one that convinced me to do it because he got a star bus in the back of the bus there's a whole bed back there with a tv and like his you know place back there so i said well okay i'll try it it's so great to be able to do a show get on board go climb in your own bed in the back and then wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning at the next city and stagger into your next hotel room and go to sleep, as opposed to going to the airport, checking your yes. bag, going to TSA, flying for an hour or two, getting there, waiting for your bag, getting in a car and driving to the hotel. You know, yeah. it just takes less time and less energy Kay. to do a bus tour, and I've really enjoyed it a lot.
0: Well, Thanks. it sounds like you have a good setup. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'll tell you the truth, it doesn't matter if it's a allergist limos or a bus or rent a car, the reason you're doing that is not about the cars and the planes and the hotel. No. It's about being on stage and just being absolutely in love with what you're doing and seeing the joy and happiness you bring so many people
2: in
0: So was there a time, though, that when you had the Learjets and everything was golden, in that moment, did you think to yourself, how can we make this last at this level? Or did you always know that it was like, okay, this is a moment?
1: Well, you know, it was a moment that was completely unanticipated from yeah. where I grew up and what I had as a child and right. destitute poverty in the palmetto fields of north central Florida, yeah. dirt road, the white clapboard house with a tin roof, wow. to being at the Ritz-Carlton and <laughs> Four Seasons mm-hmm. in the private jet. It, it was a dream, literally yes. a dream. A and dream come true. If anything, yeah. you know, you see the parabolic curve of success. It's Starts up and goes up, and then there's a bell curve at the top where things come down. The the life expectancy, typically, of a rock and roll band is nowhere near as long as the longevity that we've been managed to uh, to, to enjoy. You don't expect it to last forever. You just enjoy it for the moment and glad that you got to ride on that train for a while.
0: Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to singer-songwriter, guitarist Don Felder here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Well one of the reasons your success lasted for so long is because of the song Hotel California which you had a a large part in writing. So talk about when you were recording that in the studio and you had left the original tapes of the guitar parts. Just talk about how that all came together.
1: Yeah, I had made this demo on a cassette and given it to Don, Glenn, Joe and Randy. And we were in the studio getting ready to do those solos on the end, and Joe and I were going to just sit up in the control room and just start jamming like we had always done. And Henley came in and said, what are you doing? That's not right. Stop. And I said, what do you mean that's not right? He said, well, you've got to make it like the demo. And I said, I don't know what that was. That was like a year ago. So we had to call... My housekeeper in Malibu We were in the studio in Miami uh-huh. I had to call my housekeeper in Malibu And have her play it at a blaster and Record it in the studio in Miami And I had to sit down and learn My demo solo Which I just made up on the spot Like yeah. I said, sometimes your first shot's your best Right, right. Uh, Don had been listening to it over and over and over and over So he had that ingrained in his head And that's kind of what he wanted So we used about half of that original solo And then Joe came in with some Walshisms that were really (laughs) wonderful, and then we got to the end, and Joe said, you know, we need to do something like diddly, 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 diddly. Uh And so we sat down and figured out what diddly, diddly, diddly was, (laughs) and what the harmony was for diddly, 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 and it turned out to be those guitar parts on the end You hear the harmonies on the way out.
0: That's so cool That's an incredible story yeah. You know,
1: we did the same thing When we were working on this song Called Rock You Up in mm-hmm. Sammy Hagar's studio Sammy uh, and I sat down to sing these, this duet I wanted to do a rock duet with Sammy We sat down and sang that And then we got Satriani to come in and he and I sat there and kind of did the same thing, but instead of having a demo that we had to learn, we just made it up on the spot, okay. and it came out unbelievably great. That was the fun and excitement of a lot of these things, whether great. it was sitting with Richie Sebor and Orianti, or you know, having Slash come over to my studio. And, you know, it was just fun and inspiring to be able to do that. On and it the brings moment.
0: such an energy to it. That in-the-moment energy that you can't capture any other way.
1: It's a combination of, like, a live recording, because a lot of those things are just live. That See, stuff. that's
0: what happens when you work with people like you worked with. You can just do it on the fly.
1: You mean people that actually play? <laughs> <laughs> that's what she means. <laughs> what a unique idea to um, be able to sing, write, and play. Isn't you that know, the my truth? my gosh. Yeah. yeah.
0: So now on the song American Rock and Roll on the album... You shout out a lot of classic rock and roll artists. How did that song come together?
1: Well, you know, I was actually in Woodstock in 1969 and saw all those artists, you know, that were there. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Carlos Santana, Grateful Dead, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, all those guys. And, you know, I was one of the 400,000 drenched people in the audience <laughs> there for three days, just okay. loving it. And it was really the largest rock and roll explosion, I think, in the history of rock and roll that was mm-hmm. heard literally around the world. And so I wanted to go back and pay homage to those people as well as the people that were so heavily influenced from those musicians okay. over the decades. Okay. So I pointed out through each decade somebody that I thought had risen to the cream of the crop. You know, uh, Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses and, Uh you know, the guys, the grunge guys from the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, they all came out of being so heavily impacted from Woodstock that uh, they brought American rock and roll from the late 60s up to today.
0: Great song. And Don, thank you so much for sharing so much about the album and your stories, both as your solo career and when you were with the Eagles. Love this interview And we would love to have you back anytime
1: Anytime I'd be glad to get back on the phone with you guys
0: mm, Feeling those musical legend chills Right here on the Mulberry Lane Show With Don Felder Taking you to break With a taste of Don Felder's new song American Rock and Roll Off the album of the same title Be sure to download it Keep hanging out on the Mulberry Lane Show With your radio sisters Time for a new recipe after the break With WeTV's Chef Lawrence oh,
3: Mr. Hendrix. I can Run.
0: Dr. Mary Finnegan of Braddock Finnegan Dermatology is here to tell you about Aqua Gold. So Aqua Gold is a small vial that has small stainless steel needles that are finer than a human hair in which we can leave product in the surface of the skin. The procedure takes about 15 minutes for the whole face. It gives a very dewy look, an airbrushed look. There's mild redness, otherwise no downtime at all. at Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. That's braddockfinnegan.com. Don't have anything to celebrate today? Celebrate the arts right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You're hanging out with Allie along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. Thanks for being here. Well, you guys may know Chef Lawrence Page from the We TV docu series *Hustle and Soul*, all about how this owner of Brooklyn's legendary Pink Teacup Soul Food Restaurant is expanding his brand. He's following his dreams in the chaos of love, life, and drama. Hear all about the latest in season three right now from Chef Lawrence. Welcome, welcome to the show,
4: Chef Lawrence. Thank you for having me. And you know Uh, what? You have a great voice, by the way. uh, I, I like that fiancé's in trouble.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got to talk about this show. Now, season three has already started, so catch us up on what's going on. All the drama, all the food. And your fiancé, Anna Lavender, has been overseeing some of these restaurant launches, right?
4: Oh, my God. My fiancé, she's just taking over the world with this restaurant. (laughs) I feel like, you know, that I'm working for her now. Okay. You know, she's doing things different. You know, she feels like we're in South Beach, the staff got to look different everybody's got to walk around half naked and you have to have certain music playing in the background and you have to make your food pop a little bit more than what you were doing in brooklyn but you know what it's working, Okay. but it's weird the way it's working. You know, it's a okay. to her madness, but you got to watch the show to see what's going on, you know?
0: Right. Now, you're juggling a lot. You know, you've got restaurants. You're starting in different cities. So how do you stay calm? How do you keep your center in all of this?
4: I go right in that kitchen. I don't want anybody in there. I listen to my music to a little bit of James Brown, and I get my wine, and I just go to work. <laughs> and, and then block everything out. Okay. And that helps me get through the day.
0: So now, are you one that needs to be alone when you cook?
4: Yeah, I do. I can't okay. have anybody around me. If you're around me, you can't say anything to me. You can't watch me. You're you in your to zone. You be in your own zone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Soul food is such a beautiful tradition and so scrumptious. So do you have any simple recipes that you could recommend that we could do?
4: You know, it's a simple recipe that I've been doing, the Southern Shrimp Taco. Okay. All you do is you take your shrimp. However you like your shrimp, you can deep fry them, pan, sear Get your taco, going to get your avocado, going to mm. get your tomatoes, going to get your onions. You're going to get some smoked bacon now. Ooh. You're going to take that smoked bacon and you're going to cook it. Or you can buy bacon bits crumbled, and I want you to crumble that right on there. Mm. Okay. And then I want you to take some hot sauce and okay. some mayo, mix it up together, put a little cilantro in it, and squeeze it right awesome. on top of the taco. Yeah, you have your southern taco.
0: Sounds amazing. I'm going to make that for my family tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Chef Lawrence Page, owner and driving force behind the iconic Pink Teacup in Brooklyn, New York, and star of the series Hustle and Soul on WE TV, here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You're someone who has a dream, and so often, life can get in the way, throw you curveballs. So how do you mentally work through that and stay on task following your dream?
4: I've had my dreams crushed before, trying to get them. You know, growing up and coming from a very poor neighborhood, I know what that's like to dream. Mm -hmm. So now that I've achieved that dream, I just think about, I ain't going back. Okay. You know what I mean? No matter yeah. what. So if someone says, I'm not working with you anymore, I have nothing to do with you anymore, I say, okay, but you're not going to stop me from continuing my dream because okay. I know what it's like to be back there. That's what keeps me going. Keeps you, know, you the, moving the, forward. Just that, oh, forget about it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So now when you look at the beginning of Pink Teacup and where you are now, when you look back, do you see things that led you to where you are today? Things that maybe didn't make sense at the time, but now you're like, <laughs> I, I get it yes. now okay
4: yes i did i was very angry at a lot of people again for not helping me and landlords saying okay this is not working out you're gonna have to leave the space and filing bankruptcy and friends walking away from me and customers just boycotting me for whatever stupid reason so it's like why am i doing all this stuff but i never stopped doing it now i look back and like you know what it built you it made you who you are so now it's really hard to cut you down Like that big tree in the forest that you can't cut it down with an axe. Right. That's you. (laughs) That's me.
0: (laughs) And then advice to someone who may find themselves in a similar situation.
4: Yeah, you just have to find your focus. Once you find your focus, you can win. Don't look to others for the focus because sometimes they'll let you down and you'll give other people fault for your failure. So your failure should only come from you. So you have to make sure you find that comfort zone that's going to get you moving nonstop. And that's the hardest part. It's not going to come easy. you got to keep digging until you find your comfort zone to win.
0: Love that. Well, Chef Lawrence Page, we want to thank you so much for sprinkling our show with some soul food advice. We love it.
4: Thank you. Thank you. And I hope you guys tune in to watch Hustler Soul Thursday nights because I'll be watching you while you're watching it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sounds great. Take care.
4: All right. Thank you.
0: That's Chef Lawrence Page here on The Mulberry Lane Show. Make sure you check out his show, Hustle and Soul, on Wii TV, airing Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Central. Meet you right around the corner with comedian, improv artist, and musician Matt Geiler. Turn another page here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show. Find the harmony right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Rachel, along with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. Welcome back. Well, last weekend you heard from comedian, improv actor, and singer-songwriter Matt Giler, whose viral video, The Dancing Pumpkin Man, made him a household meme. Now, he just released a new album called Fixers and Elixirs, and last week you heard all about the recording of the album. This week you're going to dive in the deep end of the creative process with Matt Giler. Here we go, right now. For those who might not know, talk about the dancing pumpkin man phenomenon and then how that led yeah. to America's Got Talent and all of that.
3: At the time that was created, I was working as a newscaster on the CW affiliate NOMA. Yes. <laughs> and we threw that video up really to, to eat up some time on a. You probably episode, had no idea
0: show. it would become what it became.
3: Yeah, it literally sat on YouTube for like three years or something before a guy on BuzzFeed discovered it and then hailed it as the greatest Halloween video of all time. And then it kind of started to get traction. It built year by year. And then I think around 2010, America's Got Talent called me the first time. I just was kind of joking around on the phone with the gal. I was like, Yeah, you know, I'll have to see what he says about that. He's kind of hard to track down. She was like not having it. And she's like, well, okay, if you can do that in the next two days, I'd appreciate it. (laughs) And it was like this thing I did one time that gained this traction. But after the third time they called, I was like, if you'll allow me to improvise and kind of speak when I'm on stage and do some back and forth with the judges, then I'll do it.
0: Uh Uh-huh. That's your wheelhouse. Yeah. You don't want to go on national TV and not be able to showcase
3: what you can do. Well, it's weird because they thought that I traveled around and did that as an act. you know. that oh.
0: funny? Well, talk they, about having to explain yourself.
3: Oh, my God. It was like <laughs> I got there and each act that they have on the show has its own like mini production team of producers. And they're like, you know, so tell us about how the act developed. There was nothing to tell. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm like, it was preposterous, but. Fortunately, the producer I worked with really kind of got it. She was like, oh, okay, well, let's just have you, like, kind of improvise. So that, I think, was why it lasted longer on the show than it did, because originally it was just supposed to be, like, one of those freakazoid things. We actually shot a bunch of stuff that didn't end up getting used. It was like Dancing Pumpkin Man is freestyle rapping in a supermarket. Yeah.
0: -hmm. Well, they probably Um, got to know you more as an artist and what you were capable of and what you could do. Right.
3: but. The producers that are above the story and line producers were like, yeah, we just want them to do the dancing. The higher-ups
0: put the kibosh on that because they just wanted the dancing pumpkin man.
3: You know how show business is. Just do that one thing that we know you can do. Right. Right.
0: Crazy. (laughs) Yeah. How many views did the pumpkin dancing YouTube video end up having?
3: I think right now the original video has close to 8 million. You know, people, like, do all these mashups where they put the same video with different tunes. Yes. If you add all those, then it's closer to, like, 20 million because there's so many of those. Right.
0: Wow. How do you decide what project or what thing you're going to pursue next?
3: I have a very strictly organized calendar, and each day has a different creative theme. So Mondays (laughs) are, like, poetry and writing. Tuesdays are watercolors. Okay, you are now our
0: guru because... If you've I'm, managed I, that you need to teach <laughs> I'm
3: joking only part ways but for years I did have you know Monday is going to be like graphic design and illustration Tuesday's uh-huh. going to be songwriting and music I kind of ordered it that way I think a lot of creative people are this way they have so many ideas coming at them so fast yes it's not that you're lacking for material it's that nobody can execute that fast it's impossible For me, it's just essential to have a way of getting this stuff out, getting it legs, but then also having some semblance of a schedule for how to tend to it all. And I try to keep my schedule structured enough to where I'm making progress, but fluid enough to account for the fact that I get a song idea that just comes to me.
0: On Graphic Illustration Day.
3: Yeah, that's the whole crux. I mean, you might have the whole idea for like an animated short and you might be smack dab in the middle of poetry day, man. And what the (laughs) heck? Now, I have a question
0: for you regarding that. Sometimes like when we're working on the show and we have a deadline, I'll get Mm -hmm. a really great song idea. It seems to like happen when it's not supposed to happen, almost like on
3: purpose. Does that happen to you? That's so cool that you spoke to that because I think what happens As artists, we dip our toes in this vast river that kind of, I think, runs in the background of all of us. You know, we all have access to it and we dip our toe in, but we don't have control over how the current washes over us. Mm -hmm. That's what's beyond our control. And so you don't know what's going to come swimming up to the surface. And we can't always drop everything we're doing and immediately tend to it but the more we can be prepared for that because you know those things don't swim by very often sometimes you get like a big one
0: maybe this is just me speaking to my own weaknesses but I think more disciplined people miss out on a lot of those things swimming by
3: (laughs) yeah that's so hard because I grew up with the notion of should if I should be doing something or I should be a certain way and that's really anathema to how an artist works you know creativity and artists there is no should right. uh, moments, it almost
0: feels stifling the
3: shoulds oh absolutely yeah. and in those moments I think sometimes you know I'm like I really should get this press release out <laughs> yeah but in my heart of hearts I know if I don't sit down at the piano right now I'm gonna, That's miss gonna it. be gone I'm gonna miss yeah. it you
0: know I think sometimes when you turn down those ideas that pop up they kind of mm-hmm. quit popping up. And that's probably my fear is when they pop up, if I think, okay, I'll do that later, then I feel like they come a little bit less and less.
3: Yeah, regardless of kind of how you tie creativity to, you know, being spiritual things. There are things that I have, quote unquote, written, I just I don't know where they came from, it came from somewhere, it was fortunate enough that I stopped and listened to it. Right. And did something about it. I believe that. You know, if you stop dipping your toe in, I think then, you know, after a while, that big stream gets the message oh, the flow over here is blocked a little bit, you know. But I will also add, and I didn't want to cry, Mulberry Lane. I did not want to cry on your show. (laughs) But even if it diverts itself, I honestly believe that you can go back whenever, you know? Yeah. It's the age old story of like, the child inside you doesn't go anywhere sometimes it gets harder to see you know you can always put your toe back in that that's so true
0: if you're just joining us you're listening to matt Geiler here on the mulberry lane show our show is to keep people inspired to follow their creative passions and if you have so many responsibilities you know a lot of times the first thing to go is our creative projects how would you recommend staying true to that creativity and bring that back into your life
3: you know, I do like a lot of improv with younger students. I tell young artists, I say, you have to fight to make space for that feeling. Because in the beginning, and now I really am crying in my car, Mulberry Lane. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, we didn't get into this because our life's goal is to sell a million records or have a New York Times bestseller. We got into it because of how it felt. Right. Well, something in the feeling of sitting at the keys or how our voices blended or what it felt like to put a pencil on a blank page. Mm -hmm. There was something about how that felt. Mm
1: -hmm. It had
3: nothing to do with responsibility or Mm -hmm. making money or paying the rent. So I tell people, like, whatever you have to do to keep that feeling around, Mm -hmm. you do it and don't apologize for it. If I'm honest, you know, I don't care if it's one person or 300 or 3 million people that hear or see what I do. I know that when I get to the end of my time, I'll be very sad if I let that feeling go away. Right.
0: Yes. I love how you use the, you know, that feeling when you first started out because sometimes when I am trying to make a decision about where, you know, we're going or, you know, we're discussing things, I think what would my little girl self who wanted to do this, you know, what would ah. she think? Like how do we not let those little girls down? <laughs> right
3: i love that yeah and you know sometimes we all run across stretches of life where maybe it's not feasible to let that happen by you know making a whole record but maybe in some stretches it's just i gotta have 10 or 15 minutes a day to just sit at the piano and play a little bit
0: Mm -hmm. and matt this has just been a fabulous interview it's so nice to get to know you better and i'm so happy that we connected
3: Like, the first time we crossed paths, I think you guys were just starting with Don't Cry Till You Get to the Car. Yes. It was before Harmless had blown up, but it was definitely, like, reaching this critical mass of, like, whoa, Mulberry Lanes, like, sold 10,000 copies of this cool album with this periwinkle-covered maple leaf (laughs) on the front. (laughs) And I saw that record, and the type font was so great, and it was four sisters and harmonies, and I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Uh. I think I was working over at a radio station when you guys came through. Okay. That's the first time I met you in a very cursory manner. And um, it was like a feathery brush. And so it is cool that now, after a journey, we get to commune and kind of chop it up about the real stuff.
0: You know, especially on the show, we love talking to artists who have lived and been through a lot and have a whole different take on the creative process. And I do think it helps other people get in touch with their creative side or, you know, see life from a little bit different perspective.
3: Absolutely. Mulberry Lane, your sweet (laughs) little magical creativity fairy.
0: Oh, I love that. We'll have to have you draw the sweet little (laughs) Mulberry Lane fairies
3: <laughs> You guys are like the creative, artistic, musical equivalent of the three good fairies in Sleeping Beauty.
0: <laughs> oh, we really appreciate you sharing your heart, Thank you. and Thank thanks you for so your time. Much back. for having me. Yeah. Matt Geiler, guys. Check out his musical project, Frederick Julius, and the latest album, Fixers and Elixirs. And guys, get ready to blast off to the moon. When we come back, it's veteran space journalist, Leonard David. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show, your creative fueling station. Here's Matt Geiler's band,
3: Frederick Whoa, Julius. Give me some of that good magic. Whoa, Amanda. Magic. I should sure get some amanda. Some of the kids think you can fly. They said they saw you soaring by last Tuesday night up in the sky.
0: The Mulberry Lane Show, where every creative journey is respected. I'm Beau, here with my sisters Rachel and Allie. Well, moon travel is in the headlines again, and you are about to be in the know. Veteran space journalist Leonard David has a new book, Moon Rush, The New Space Race. Hear about the latest in the global reach for the stars, and some pretty cool stuff about the moon. Welcome, welcome to the show, Leonard David.
2: Hey, thank you very much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yay! All right. Well, you know, you are the very first space journalist we have ever had on the show. So, a big welcome to you. And you've got to tell us how you landed the gig as a space journalist.
2: That's a good question because my mom said, Look up. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. I grew up with the space race, Sputnik 1, then I watched all the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo programs. I actually started writing. As a kid, I wrote a little newspaper and sold it around the neighborhood. That was my first journalistic uh, outreach.
0: Okay, so now this book covers everything about the new space race. So the European Space Agency has plans for a moon village. So what's that all about?
2: Well, uh, multiple nations now have the capability to go to the moon, and the European Space Agency, that's a consortium of 16 or so countries uh, in Europe, have come up with new strategies about where they want to take their space program, and the head of it declared the moon village as a goal that they want to put. I liken it to a little like Antarctica station, a facility that can be visited by uh, humans. So that's the beginning of their plans. Now, China, to me, is the country to watch. It has a very aggressive program. The public is not aware of a lot of the things that they're pulling together there. They already have a robot on the far side of the moon as we speak, running around. And then you've got the United States. NASA has been charged by the Trump administration to return humans to the moon by 2024, five years from now. Wow. Is that possible? uh, I think it is. But, you know, one of the issues that i try to raise in the book is constancy of purpose i mean you have to keep spending money right you have to have the public support you got to have the political support Mm -hmm. that doesn't ring true when you go back into history and look at the various administrations that have fits and starts of space program agendas that don't get funded so we'll see if this time makes a difference Um, okay but um I'm one of these kids that, you know, explorations in our genes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think that's what we like mm-hmm. to do as humans.
0: Yeah. Well, right now on the Mulberry Lane Show, you're hearing from veteran space journalist Leonard David all about his new book, Moon Rush, The New Space Race, published by National Geographic. Now you hear about someday there'll be private companies that take people to the moon. So what's the viability of that? And how does all that coexist?
2: Well... That's a good word, coexist. For the first time, we're seeing a much grander working together. NASA has public-private partnerships in place now with these groups like Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk with his SpaceX uh, team, and there's a number of other companies that are working with NASA now to provide services. That's a different mindset of getting okay. back to the moon. Uh, that's something we've got to keep an eye on as well. At the end of the day, that may make it all come to fruition.
0: Yeah. So what's something that we would be surprised to know about the moon?
2: Well, I think the one thing, and I get into big arguments with scientists, okay. who don't really understand how the moon got there. You know, is it an anomaly? Is it, you know, a big object hit the earth and it splattered a bunch of material it coalesced into the moon? And there's still good debate, which is in the book, about just what is the origin of the moon. I think there's going to be a lot of surprises still okay. to come. Do you have any
0: yeah. idea what those might be, or just in general?
2: Well, I don't want to go out too far on a limb. Okay. <laughs> I think there's some clues about the origin of life on the moon. Okay. So uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about how the Earth formed as well. Okay. I'm not saying there are monoliths all over the moon like in 2001 movie, but uh, <laughs> there's something like that in the sense of discovery. Okay. Uh, so exciting
0: not, times, really
2: not have been there done that world it's time to go back
0: okay so now with all your upward looking to the moon and stars and then your success as a space journalist you know one of the missions of the show is to keep people reaching for their dreams so with your experience what advice do you have for shooting for the stars so to speak
2: i've been privileged to be sitting on a, some very big stories in space and also tragedy uh, you know, I had to cover the Challenger and Columbia shuttle yeah. disasters, and that was the saddest uh, part of my life.
0: Gut-wrenching, uh, I'm sure.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think hold on to any kind of passion you have, and don't let people tell you, well, you're not spelling this right. <laughs> okay.
0: So forget about the small little details. Basically, keep your eye on the big picture.
2: I think so. You've got to enjoy what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm having a blast, and I have a blast off. Right. <laughs> my
0: new book. <laughs> All right. Well, Leonard, thank you so much for joining the show. The book is Moon Rush: The New Space Race. Great to catch up with you, and we'll have to reconnect down the road.
2: Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm.
0: And that book is published by National Geographic. So great to have veteran space journalist and author Leonard David with us today.
4: If you believe in vapor-
0: Okay guys, now it's time for our favorite part of the show. This is show notes. Show Notes is where we share the best pieces of advice from each guest on this episode of the Mulberry Lane Show. Mm-hmm. First up today, you heard from Don Felder. He used to be with the Eagles. And Don said, sometimes you can throw a lot of needless pressure on your creativity to get to or maintain success. He said Glenn Fry used to describe this as the hardening of the artistry where you get inhibited and fearful that nothing is good enough. Love that phrase. But Don learned it's the creative process that's unobstructed by pressure that's when you perform your best so he learned to get out of his own way and what he says to the worry and doubt in his life he says okay you guys you all wait over there for a while I'm gonna do what I do gotta love that pro tip from Don Felder Next up, you heard from Chef Lawrence Page of WE tv's show, Hustle and Soul. And he says, when it comes to hardships, hardships are what build you. So someday you're going to be really hard to cut down. You're going to be like that big tree in the forest that no one can cut down with an axe. (laughs) If you're going through a tough time, someday you'll be that tree. Mm -hmm. Okay, Rachel, next piece of advice. Yes, then you heard from comedian, improv artist, and musician with Frederick Julius, Matt Giler. Now he says you have to fight to make space for that feeling that you had in the beginning of your career. Because at that point, it had nothing to do with responsibility or making that rent. It was because of how it felt. The feeling of sitting at the keys and playing, or what it felt like putting pencil to a blank page. Whatever you have to do to keep that feeling around, do it and... Don't apologize for it. Behind that one, all the way. Mm -hmm. All right, Allie, last piece of advice. Finally, you heard from veteran space journalist Leonard David. He said in order to keep reaching for your dreams, hold on to any kind of passion you have and don't let anyone tell you you're not spelling it right. In other words, don't get stuck in the minutia. Keep your eye on the big picture. (laughs) And we spell that (laughs) W-I-N. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, that wraps up this show. We'll see you right here next weekend. We'll be Waiting for you on the sister couch. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Wee!
3: Wee!